Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. and welcome to the latest series of Headstrong. You're listening with me, Louis Strong, the host of this show. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a variety of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and their careers, but notably their vulnerabilities, to understand what it means to be headstrong. To me, the word headstrong means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. This series is unique. It is called An Innings With and is entirely devoted to the sport of cricket. I have got an incredible lineup of cricketing stars, both past and present, to talk to you on this series about their definition of headstrong, as well as their lives and careers within the game. We are also supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation, a magnificent charity set up by Sir Andrew Strauss. I am delighted to say that this series is brought to you by Magillan Partners and Ascot. Now this first episode of Headstrong is with an England cricketing hero, the legend that is Joss Butler. I spoke to Joss when he was isolating in India when he flew out to play the Test Series. Joss is famous in the England cricketing world, as well as the global cricketing platform for his performances on the international stage, as well as in the IPL and other franchises. We talked about his upbringing, how he got into cricket, as well as his career and the mindset that is needed to play at such an intense level of cricket on both the international stage and in the IPL. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Joss, thank you very much for joining me on Headstrong today. I very much appreciate it. Where do I find you at the moment? Uh, in Chennai at the moment. How This is your sixth day of uh, isolation now. How's it, how's it been? How's it gone? Um, it's been okay. Um, it's been um, a little bit 
boring at times, but lots of the boys play Call of Duty. So it's been quite a lot of time spent on the Xbox, um, a bit of reading, uh, watching some TV. And um, it's actually only had a couple of moments where I've been frustrated and just sort of losing my temper a bit. But actually, it's been okay. And and I think, um, you know, looking forward to getting back with everyone and, and training. I was talking to, um, I think I was talking to Dom yesterday or maybe the day before, Dom Bess, uh, and we were, we were going through the team and thinking of who, who, who's got their, their kit in the bedroom. Are you, uh, you got a couple of bats up there practicing a couple of uh, movements, grips? <laughs> uh, I actually had a, a delivery yesterday or the day before of a couple of bats. Um, so they have been out and just sort of every now and again walk past them and pick them up and do a bit of shadow batting and um yeah which is which is quite nice but i'm sure there's a few of the boys who'll be who'll be batting for hours um i'm sure dom sibley's one i think he'd be one rory burns i know is quite an avid shadow batter oh really um, yeah joe root will definitely be tinkering with bats and playing around with his grip or something so oh, i love um, it yeah i'm sure there's a few how would you describe the, this bubble experience then in a little bit more depth? Because you're, you're a family man um, and very much rooted in family. And a lot of the boys in the team are now, there is a, almost a new um, younger bunch that are immersed with yourselves and the, and the senior players now. And they're obviously, they don't have kids. Um, and so probably don't experience the, the different t- kind of bubble that you're experiencing. H- how is it? Um, this new experience with the bubble, uh, uh, knowing that your family weren't able to come on a tour like this. Yeah, it's, it's certainly different. It's certainly a big challenge. And um, you know, that, that challenge has changed for a few of us now, having children and stuff and, and missing them. Um, you know, usually the tours are fantastic for you know, the ECB, are brilliant, allowing families to come. And it creates a really nice atmosphere with the kids playing with each other. And um, so that's great. But yeah, of course, it's, it's unfortunate that can't be the thing at the moment um you know we're very lucky in this day and you know, technology to be able to still receive photos videos talk on facetime and um but i think it's just trying to um take things very immediate focus um and sort of trying to get through the day and having i found having a routine or trying to have a routine helps um you know because it's certainly um it can feel quite claustrophobic at times. I think that's the way I would I'd describe it. Um, I think we're all experiencing that, you know, going through various lockdowns, and um, you know, we probably realise you know just how much freedom we did have before. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's how I'd describe it. A little bit claustrophobic, and of, and of course, the time without family is is tough. Um, but also for the for the younger boys, you know, it's frustrating as well for them. You know, to tour the world is such a great thing to be able to do when you're young and um you, know, you want to see the world and you want to see the places we're traveling to and get out and about and um so yeah it's uh, it's just frustration and a little bit claustrophobic it's claustrophobic quite physically but m- mentally as well what, what's your kind of been your your release in that um in that time i, know, I imagine there might have been a bit of pilates going on <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of pilates so um that's you know, a nice way to spend a bit of time with my wife hopefully um so i can log on to her website and do some pilates i actually find it obviously beneficial for um totally. for my body um but actually i do find it quite a nice mental you know it's a bit, a bit more slowed down and um you know, quite a nice thing just mentally um i quite like the headspace app um mm. a little bit of meditation every now and again i find is a a good app to use for me I, you know, we're so busy aren't we and even when we're not doing anything you know getting bad habits of sat there and 
scrolling through Instagram or Twitter and you're not really doing anything. But um, you know, I, f- I find the headspace is a good one for me every any time just to sort of lie down and and I, I'm no guru of meditation, but just to sort of lie down and with your own thoughts and some deep breaths is is quite an, I think is a good good thing for me to do. Definitely a good one for re-energizing. I don't suppose you've got any uh, good TV recommendations having spent six days inside. <laughs> well, um, I don't watch loads of series, but um, uh, I quite like the old series. So I watch only Fools and Horses on repeat just over and over again. Yeah, so um, I quite like those ones. I like watching Faulty Towers. Um, oh. I know there's so many good new ones out there. And I recently watched, um, what was the one with Hugh Grant? and? Uh, yes, that, I, I, I haven't watched it yet, but the reviews on that are pretty uh, unreal. I've forgotten the name. Um, but anyway, that one's that one's really good. So I watched that. Um, but yeah, I, I like just kicking back with a bit of Only Fools and Horses. Definitely. The Undoing is the one you're talking about. You enjoyed undoing, that one. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've been in Sri Lanka uh, already and now you're in India and we're going into, into uh, test week. When this comes out, of course, we might, might know the result of the series. But we're coming off a 2-0 win. I say we like I'm totally involved, which of course I'm not. Um, but you're out in the subcontinent and you spend a lot of time there and you enjoy the subcontinent you've got a lot of fans there i anticipate what's it like uh what's it been like over the years adapting your game to the subcontinent um it's a great place to come and play cricket i think you know we come here uh where cricket is the number one sport for for india obviously sri lanka um so the interest especially in india i think it's you know it's another level of of interest in the game, I look at the, the Indian players and they're proper superstars here in their own country. It's quite amazing to experience that and see firsthand how they're regarded in their own country. Um, and and yeah, the cricket is, is obviously different. Now it's it's a lot of fun in Sri Lanka. I think there's more spin bowling bowled anywhere than anywhere in the world. So you know, for us in England, we brought up on green seeming wickets and. Um, you know, so that's quite a new challenge and quite fun and different. And I, I really enjoy that. I think because you know, we don't do it, we'll get to play on those types of surfaces quite a lot. So it's quite um, new and interesting. Um, and I think just the, you know, I find India just a great place. Obviously, we can't get out and about now, but just to sort of sit and watch the world unfold is a, a real fascinating people watching place, the sights, the smells, the sounds. Um, so a really fun place to come, come and see and come and experience. Yeah, it's a real immense culture out there. And as you say, the cricket world is just absolutely enormous out there. Do you, the England team, um, obviously it might be slightly different now in, in bubbles and the security of it, um, but do the England team experience something similar when you're over there and the magnitude of, of a tour when you're in the subcontinent? And is there that sort of smothering of, of fans and things or is it more directed at, at the home nation? It's generally more directed at the home nation, I would say. Um, I think there's a few guys in our team who would um, have quite a big following here in India. Obviously, Ben Stokes um, would have a massive following. Jofra Archer, having you know had great success in the IPL as well, his following here in India is, is big. Um, so obviously, in, in normal times, when we're not uh, locked away in a bubble, um, you'd probably mm. experience that quite a lot. You know, as you arrive at the ground, a lot of people at the ground and... Um, you know, around the hotel lobbies, you know, sometimes places you try and stay away from. You know, those two guys I mentioned would get really recognised. And um, you know, well, be... three of you, surely. Yeah. Well, You're yeah, being I think too humble. Do a little bit more so than <laughs> me. Um, but uh, no, it's. Um, I think there's a few superstars 
sort of who aren't Indian, you know, when you see the IPL and sort of way A.B. de Villiers gets regarded here in India, is sort of quite an amazing following. Um, but then, you know, the Indian guys, it's completely different. And you know, playing for Mumbai Indians before, you know, having Rohit Sharma in the team and seeing, you know, the the way that people just, you know, react to him and seeing him um, and like playing against guys like Dhoni and Kohli, the, the crowd is is just unreal when they're in the ground. It's so sad that there won't, won't won't be a crowd of that magnitude, but fingers crossed that it will happen this year, definitely when we're back on home ground as well. But something I definitely want to talk to you about is the sort of the, the predicament that you almost find yourself in uh, as being one of the three format players because you're off home after the first test um, in India. I just wanted to know, what are your immediate thoughts and emotions about this? You've probably had time to process this now and understand the, you know, the implications of, the, the of course, the benefits for yourself your family and, and everything going on but what were you what was your immediate kind of thoughts on this because i imagine you're gutted to be missing out on such a like an amazing series as well even though you're coming back out yeah it's a bit of both to be honest um you know we, we do spend a lot of time away and obviously been in bubbles for a long time and um and i think it's fantastic actually that the ecb are um, at the forefront of trying to sort of prevent problems rather than react to them. So, you know, for resting players and trying to get people in and out of the, the bubbles to allow themselves to mentally refresh um, is big. Obviously, you know, it's disappointing anytime you miss games of cricket for England. Um, you know, I'll be watching on um, with a bit of jealousy almost, but, you know, also sort of a lot of understanding as to it's very good for me to, to have a break. I'm, I'm someone who enjoys time away from the game, um, someone who, um, gets energised a lot by that um, and I think it's important moving forward in such a, a busy year um, and having had a yeah I think naively before the when the pandemic hit I, just, I thought oh we're having a three months off and you know it'll prolong everyone's career and your hunger for the game will be be there but I think the the bubble scenario makes it that much more 24-7 that it, it's quite a lot more draining um, and so Know, having a bit of time out of it is is hugely beneficial. So um, completely understand those decisions and and the coaches and, and captains sort of you know it's a very open two way communication and um, you know, it's important that as a player you feel like you can speak up and ask for a break if you need it. I think that's really important and it actually sounds like yourself and the the dressing room actually have been have taken it quite well. Then actually, in fact, the. Uh, the, the understanding of the ECB and being able to take a break, of course, you understand your frustrations of, of wanting to play the cricket, but actually it makes sense because, you know, last year you spent a lot of time in a bubble and then you came back out for the IPL and then um, the, the prospect of South Africa, what could have been, and then out here again. It's, it's an enormous time spent in, uh, in an isolated kind of bubble. Did you have a balcony room like um, when you were at um, Southampton overlooking the ground? Because that must have been very challenging to uh, to switch off from the game. Yeah, I did actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that was one of the things, you know, staying on the grounds as well. It was that much harder to sort of find your time away from the game as constant reminders of cricket. Um, and you know, more so when you had a bad day, you know, it was um, that was the time you were, you know, go to draw your curtains and you see the cricket ground again and um so yeah you know it's one of those things that was new and it was working it out and, and trying to sort of find um out some sort of ways to deal with with those things um but 
yeah, we were lucky to get cricket back and and, and be able to play. You know, as as both sides to it. So, um, you know, I know, I know how much it means to people um, to have cricket back on their TVs, and you know, especially at the moment now in England and. You know, January and February, there's some back in a lockdown. So to to see the team on TV and and playing is a huge lift, and and that gives us the players a, a big lift as well. You know, yeah, it's a really nice equilibrium of uh, of, of support, but then also I imagine you're, you're just delighted to be out back out playing, and that's giving everyone at home such joy. I remember the lockdown. I was talking to somebody the other day how much everyone was missing live sport and how essential it was for just everyone's mental health. It, it was crazy. You know, people are so passionate about their sports teams and their nations and the sports that they love. And it was so important to get that back. And I think, yeah, absolutely commend the ECB for all, all the work that they've done. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was just having a think, like, can you imagine how many days of cricket that you have now done since school, since your entire life? I literally can't quite comprehend how much cricket that you've now done from school, domestic, internationally. I just want to cast your mind back to to school uh, and when you were captaining Kings, because I'm actually not far from Kings. I'm in Somerset now in uh, in Ilminster um, with my, with my um, fiancé. When you played cricket at school... I mean, of course, at that age, you don't know any different. And of course, every game is the biggest game in the world to you. But what kind of pressure was was on you at that time? Um, because, you know, you, you were seeing some early success in the sense that you were playing under 17s, under 19s, look, on, on the doorstep of Somerset um, and, then, and then breaking into the team. What was the, what was the pressure when you were at school? From your friends, probably. <laughs> um... No, I don't remember being sort of feeling under too much pressure, really. I think put pressure on myself. Yeah, you know, I, I think I realised, um, you know, as soon as I got into the Somerset Academy, really, which coincided with me going to Kings, and I was about 14 then, um, I could sort of see a real clear pathway to playing professional cricket um, for Somerset. Um, so I think that was when I sort of was feeling that, you know, I want to push on and do this, and that's what I'm, I'm capable of achieving. Um and so I think it's more sort of your internal pressures. Obviously at school, you know, you're sort of seen as the main player and you, know, you want to win. But I, I sort of was always looking past school um, you know, and, and thinking about playing professionally. And I was playing some Somerset second eleven cricket and I knew that was such a, a bigger focus for me than, than the school. So um, was, yeah, I had a real drive um, as soon as I got on the academy to sort of make it as a professional cricketer. And I think maybe naively you think, you know, you get put on an academy and then at the end of that cycle, you become a professional. And um, the realisation actually is there's not many who will get a contract at the end. But at the start of that, I certainly felt that's how it was going to be. And, and I sort of had this sort of inner confidence that I would I would get there. I mean, you saw this early success. And then in 2010, you won the, the Wisdom School Cricketer of the Year. I mean, that I can only imagine that the, the mounting the mounting success was on its way. But um, how important was it to, to kind of still play those school games for you and, you know, still play with your mates? Because, of course, you, were, you had this, this goal and aim of professional cricket. And, of course, anyone wants that at that age. But how important was it to still be playing cricket with your, you know, your best mates at school? 
Yeah, really important. And and I went to Kings from the state system. So I was, you know, my cricket was club cricket um, on on the weekends. Um, so to go to Kings and the realisation we had a full fixture list on Saturdays and we train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday it was amazing. And um, so you say, yeah, playing with your mates and, and having a lot of fun, the, you know, your away trips on the weekends. And um, you know, I think remembering that you are a kid is, is a big part of that um, and playing with your mates at school you know my you know, like you say there's some pressures that you are um, a talented cricketer with a, a chance of going on to become a professional but at the same time then remembering okay I'm just still playing with my mates and I'm still a 15 year old kid or a 16 year old kid who is having some a bit of fun with his mates and, and so that was a, a important balance I think because you know, I think we specialise early as children now and, and kids and and some parents can, you know, sort of want to push kids down avenues and, and put pressure on them to make the most of their talents. Um, but at the same time, sort of trying to remember they have kids and, and that was certainly a big help for school to, to play with your peers and um, you know, sort of remember the, the fun and enjoyment and messing around a bit. Was there ever the, a push from anywhere else for you then, or was it actually just yourself and, and the, the self-motivation and drive? Um, certainly parents as well. Um, you know, I think I was really, lu- I'm really lucky with my parents have you know, given me incredible opportunities, um, you know, to, the opportunity to go to King's College as well and um, you know, to have the opportunity, not just sport, but the education as well. It's, it's completely different. To what I'd known before, um, so and I think they had high hopes for me. You know, I think they pushed me in a nice way. Um, you know, they knew how talented I was and knew that if I did work hard, there was a chance of me progressing. But never to the extent where it sort of became uncomfortable or where I felt like, you know, just give me some space. I don't want it. They just gave me opportunity. You know, that if I needed to be driven somewhere, they'd drive me. If I they give me uh, opportunities to be coached that pay for coaching sessions and um so I, I was i feel very fortunate to have been given great opportunity um but certainly i feel like they guided me in the right way and, and pushed me at times when i needed it but never to an extent where it felt like i wanted to sort of rebel at all or say no and it became an issue so you know, I, was, I was i think i was really lucky yeah, we talk of that that education as well that that came kind of hand in hand with with the uh, the school that you were able to go to, and that that's fantastic. Was there you talked you talked bri- earlier briefly about um, you know not everyone is lucky enough to get that opportunity coming out of an academy to get that uh, get that contract, and without being you know fortuitous, and you want want to get that contract at the end. You must have been thinking, oh, I've got to get these A levels uh, and potentially line up something else. So, what could what could have Joss Butler been? What could have uh, what was the what were the other career options? Oh, I always say postman. To be honest, I think that would be a, a great job to do. But I actually um, did start to veer away from not veer away from my studies. I, I did work hard, and but you know, at A S level, instead of doing four subjects, I did three to give myself more time for cricket, and then at A level, I just did two in the end um and I didn't actually got to the point where I didn't bother doing the the UCAS and and sort of uni applications because I felt like I'm in a position and I was getting the right signals from the club as well Mm. that I was gonna get an opportunity um so I felt like you know I can do that later if I need to um so I did get a couple of A-levels and stuff but I didn't do the applications and sort of um backup plan because I felt like 
the time is now to to go for it um and i'm going to try and make it work and if it doesn't work then in a couple of years time i can i can then fall back on 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 the a levels and and then find out something else to do from there well that's a distant memory fortunately we don't need to be worrying about the a levels <laughs> or a ucas application i mean i mean exactly you found you were lucky enough to to have just I don't know, success has followed you around your career now and it's been immense and it's been fantastic. And I just want to fast forward slightly to, to your England call-up and your first, your first day in the England dressing room. KP, Swanee, Brody, some big names when you're going into the dressing room and these people are there that you've been watching. Um, what were your thoughts when you first walked in there? You know, that you are now mingling with them as teammates, not as and as peers, not as kind of idols and people that you, you get to watch, but actually people you get to play with and call, you know, colleagues and teammates. Yeah, a really strange experience, I'd say. Um, very surreal. Um, like you say, you're watching these guys on TV and then um, walking into a dressing room with them. I, I felt quite out of place, to be honest. Um, you know, I felt like I didn't, you know, I wasn't nowhere near as good a cricketers as these guys. Uh, so, and, and I think... Um, and I felt really nervous, the like practices we had and and I, I didn't play well in yeah, so I was just saying, um, there was quite a surreal moment, you know, going into that dressing room and, and seeing these guys who you've idolized on TV and, and I, I felt a little bit out of place to be honest. Um I felt like I'm not you know, worthy of being in the same team as these guys and um being really nervous at practice and sort of judging everything I did and what are they thinking of me. Um, and I think it, yeah, it's certainly a a big learning to, and then you realise actually they're they are just normal people. And I remember it was great having Craig Keyswetter in the team, someone I knew from Somerset. Um, I remember Stephen Finn being really welcoming, um, and so um, that was that was great. Um, that was a big help for for me going into the team. But it took me a, it took me a good year or so to sort of settle in and, and do something that made me feel like a bit worthy of being there. We are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation with Headstrong and Innings With. Sir Andrew Strauss lost his wife to non-smoking lung cancer in 2018. Just before her death, Ruth and Andrew discussed the idea of setting up a foundation to help other families who would be facing a similar ordeal. The Ruth Strauss Foundation wants to ensure that all families with dependent children facing the death of a parent are offered emotional support and guidance to prepare for the future, allowing them to make the most of their time together. In tandem, they are driving the need for more research and collaboration in the fight against non-smoking lung cancers, which are on the rise and to which Ruth ultimately lost her life. You can support their cause by making a donation today. To donate, text RSF10 to 70191 to donate £10. Or you can donate online at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash fund forward slash headstrong forward slash RSF. Thank you for all your support of Headstrong and the Ruth Strauss Foundation. It sounds like there were some great guys uh, in in the dressing room, as you say, Finn as well, who, who obviously played a big part of your own wedding as well. Um, but <clears throat> moving on from that, in that, that year, how, how do you main, maintain your own mindset at that level and just reassure yourself that actually you've been picked to be there for a reason? You know, because of course, self-doubt is a huge 
issue in certain well in any in any line of work but particularly in in professional sports um so what we've talked about a couple of things that you, you that you do practice but at, at that stage were you seeking advice from people were you very much a bit internalized focusing on yourself because you've got the temperament of a cool and cool calm collected gent so I'm, I'm curious to know what your what your techniques are yeah well, i certainly doubted myself a lot i'd say in that first year or so i, I felt good enough to play county cricket and I'd had some success, obviously, that's why I got selected to play for England. But um, with England, I certainly felt sort of nervous. I was doubting myself a bit. And um, it wasn't until I actually had a really good conversation with Mark Borden, who was the psychologist at the time. Um, and I was just saying that I don't feel like I'm you know, at my best here. I don't feel like I'm sort of showing, you know, I want to show to the dressing room that I, I can belong here, but I'm doubting myself. And, and we went through this sort of, almost like an arousal level like that inverted U theory of sort of where do you sit on this line when you're at your best and um excuse my language but I I sort of said well when I'm at my best I just sort of feel fuck like I just say fuck it and just um just get on with it and and just play and I don't question myself and so that was the mindset and that's sort of where that was born and and then the next game actually got 30 off about 10 balls against South Africa And, and that was my like sort of uh, breakthrough moment for me to be like oh I can do it at this level and it's only 10 balls and it's like you know I've got the talent I can do it um, and I think that was a, a, a huge moment for me just to and more so for the guys in the dressing room I, I felt like I could walk back into that dressing room now with then the other guys could be like yeah he's, he's good he's good enough to be here and it wasn't so much the outside noise I was worried about it was more of the sort of gaining the respect of your the teammates yeah, it's, a, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you always do have that sort of anxiety of thinking, oh, I wonder what they're thinking of me. And if you don't deliver a performance, you're like, the self-doubt sets in, but then you're thinking, and, and that's just natural. That's what anxiety is. You're thinking, oh, what's, you know, what's X over there thinking of me? Like KP over there, he's just hit whatever and thinking, what, what am I doing? It's difficult, it's difficult. But then, of course, you talked about using your um, headspace. How long have you been using apps like that? And, and of course, your wife and Pilates, those are great, great techniques to refocus the mind and rechannel the energy. Of course, it doesn't work for everybody, but um, how, how long have you been doing things like that? Uh, I'd say over the last probably four years or so, um, I'd say become a bit more mindful of those things and, and mindfulness has um, become a sort of a bigger part of it and a bigger sort of understanding of of how it can be beneficial to me. I think before that, I just sort of went along on a whim. I knew, you know, I had good days and bad days and, you know, sort of, and then sort of a workout, well, how come the best players have good days every day and they're more consistent? And um, I'm, I'm actually, I met a guy at the IPL called Anand Chalani, who's a, a performance coach. He's with the Rajasthan Royals. Um, and I actually started talking to him about golf and about like, yipping with my chips and just like the chipping yips and um and that conversation then sort of went into cricket and how you could be the best version of yourself more often and how much more control we have over those things than we think you know than we actually think and how powerful your subconscious is and I think that was the sort of time I sort of became a bit more mindful of you know it's not just about how good you are at cricket and there must be other things that in like how you can become better and more consistent and more level um, uh, to aid your performance. 
Mindfulness and mentality are a huge, huge part of cricket. I mean, I, I, you know, as, as you've just been saying, but none more so than in, in test cricket. Um, and and just, just to looking back at a time when, when unfortunately you didn't, didn't have your place in the test team. And, and that was probably, again, a mixture of emotions. But being the optimist that you are, I almost imagine you saw it as an opportunity to, to refocus and reevaluate your, your thoughts, specifically focus on white ball cricket and see that as your focus. Was there, you know, of course, the disappointment of being left out of the test side, but then did you see this as an opportunity to work on yourself and regain your place? Um, a little bit. I, I don't really ever think I thought much about regaining my place, to be honest. I, I just, there were some other great opportunities that would, would come around. Um, playing in the IPL um, was a, a, a big one. Um, you know, the IPL, amazing tournaments, probably had the biggest effect on me, I would say, as a cricketer, it's a place where I've learned the most and um, has been fantastic. So at the time of, of losing my test place, obviously the disappointment in that, but then um, being able to then go into some different avenues, let's say franchise cricket and and being. And I think going into franchise cricket taught me a lot about myself because you have to turn up there when, you know, get into a new team in a short environment, you know, short space of time, say six weeks. And, you, you know, the end goal is to win a tournament in that short space of time. So, you know, coaches come to you and say, you know, what is it that makes you tick? What is it that you want from me? What is it that you want from training? And so that, franchise cricket made me certainly take a lot more ownership over my own cricket and my own game and and the mindfulness stuff um, because you are then more on your own um, and you have to be more self-sufficient are there any uh, interesting uh, team bonding exercises in those sh- short spaces of time then because you've got to get you've got to get you, you you and your team have got to really bond to uh, to become winners i suppose are there any any, any interesting things that you got up to um nothing I don't know what I can think of. I remember like seeing guys who, I don't know, some teams would go off paintballing and I wish that, oh, I've never been able to do that with any team, but I'd love to have done that. But no, it's a great skill. And I think as more and more uh, players and coaches have done it, as, you know, there's certainly more familiarity now and with certain people and, you know, I've played with someone somewhere now and, you know, with the IPL, we've played with and against these loads and loads of guys. So, that those bonds are are there sometimes. It certainly helps. You know, the Rajasthan Royals are fantastic for us to have England teammates in in your side. So guys who know you well and know your game, and guys you can hang out with and chat with, and and on quite a personal level because you you spent time. So that certainly helps. But I, I thought it was a great learning and education for me as to you know sort of take more ownership over myself. That's certainly something great that they've done as well. Um in the IPL is that definitely having a couple of your England teammates must really help with your mentality when you're out in a tournament like that. Cause if you were isolated and playing with, I don't know, a couple of guys from other international nations, sure you've competed them on the big stage, but having someone from your own dressing room that you're so familiar with must really kind of reassure you and give you that little bit of confidence and backing if you needed to go chat to someone else, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, familiarity is comfort at times, isn't it? We all like to be comfortable um, uh, sit next to one of your mates in the dressing room or whatever it is, and you, you've got your own banter already between you or whatever. So, yeah, so it's a big <laughs> help to to play and, and yeah, fantastic cricketers as well. So it's nice to have them in your team. With all the highs of 
uh, sorry, with all the lows, there, there are of course the highs, and and I, I can't do this this podcast without talking about the World Cup, which I'm no doubt you've talked about a million times now. But let's not talk about the specific moment eighteen months ago. What a hell of a game that was, of course. But instead of talking about the specific game and, and the memory of that, I, I kind of almost want to talk about behind the scenes and the build up because there was so much pressure on England as a nation. And just to even conceive the amount of pressure, you'd look at the press, you look at the, the pundits and the amount of chat that was going on to put on, well, you know, a squad of 14 or whatever it is, you know, being favourites. That, that journey must have been so difficult to, to really maintain focus. What, what was the discussion in, in camp about that and kind of how to hush out that, that noise outside of the camp? Yeah, I remember we actually had a, a meeting about that and being, you know, talking about, look, we are favourites for this tournament. Um, and it's not something to be shy of or, or be afraid of uh, and or allow it to add pressure. It's actually, a, um, you know, should use it as a positive. You know, a lot of the time, you know, in England teams are nowhere near being favourites for things. So should be embracing that and see it as a um, a positive and it should give us confidence. So I remember us talking about that. Certainly at times during the tournament, we were definitely tested uh, with that. Um, we had a, a, another brilliant sort of team chat where it was very open and guys were honest about their feelings. And, you know, some guys were saying how they were just desperate to get back to, to playing well. And, and when the other guys were saying that I'm worried about how this is going to look after the tournament, if it doesn't go right, other guys were saying, look, we've got four games and we win a World Cup. And it was quite amazing, you know, people just being open and, and talking about their feelings. And that, I think, lifted a lot of pressure off the side. Um, because, and that, being able to be that open is obviously something that's been built over the years but with a, a group of guys that have been able to to stay together for a long period of time so you know when we needed to be honest and get that out there it was a, a big help um and um and I think one thing I, I just always remember is just sort of got, like thinking we're actually such a good team and we've been winning games of cricket and even when we'd lost two games of cricket I said well you know, we haven't lost two games of cricket in a row for a couple of years or something. So you know, the law of averages says we'll win the next one. Um, and so <laughs> I had huge, you know, huge confidence in, in the group. And, and there were some guys in that team, you know, they didn't know any different, but, but winning, you know, if they came in sort of two or three years into that cycle and we've been, they, they just expect to win the whole time. Um, so that was brilliant. And that really rubbed off on a lot of guys. Where were you individually, uh, mentally before that, before that India game and before that final? Because you, 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 you're a senior player in, in the team. In fact, you know, v, VC as well, which is very, very important. And, you know, people are looking up to you for support advice. Um, where, where were you kind of mentally, um, before, before those enormous games? You, of course you talk about the, the, switching that pressure to positivity but you know it, it sometimes it does get on your shoulders who were you, were you talking to anybody in particular um yeah there's a few guys i talked to my wife's always a good sounding board um david young the, the team psychologist someone i enjoy talking to um and the big things i was sort of wrestling at various points were sort of how does this look if it goes wrong and you know how am i gonna um get myself back to enjoying cricket again or especially the going into the world cup i remember sitting in the stands with david young the psychologist saying 
you know, what if it goes wrong tomorrow and, and we lose? And I've lost quite a few finals with Somerset and uh, Lancashire, a couple with England, obviously, before. And just and this seemed like such a big, you know, it's the only time ever that we're going to play at Lords in a World Cup final. You know, if it doesn't go how I want it to go, to know what I'm going to do. And um, well, well, the great thing, you know, with him and having that relationship, we came, you know, it's come back to, you know, what can you control? What is your super strength? What do you actually do every other game to, to be in the right frame of mind? And you know how to do that and what that process is. And all your job is to tomorrow is to come and do that again. Um, and I know that as a group as well and, and as a sports professional, when you get to the ground and you get in the dressing room, um, that's your place of comfort. You know, it was more at the hotel. It was like, yeah, you feel uncomfortable. You know, something big is happening. Um, there's a bit more noise. It does feel different. Um, but then once you get to the ground and you manage to you know, go, and let's go and hit a few balls and, and things start to, to act out how they always do every other game of cricket. And that makes you feel more, more at ease. So, but that, that was the big thing I was wrestling was, was before sort of what if this goes wrong? Um, but then, catching those thoughts is a big thing to then be like okay now what can I do about that as opposed to letting that spiral out of control how often do you um converse then uh with with, with uh Joe obviously in the test team and then with with Owen when when you're being vice captain uh, in the ODI team and but not converse necessarily about the team but you have just you know you, you do it at work sometimes I'll go down um and just go just you know just check in check in do you guys is that do you have that kind of atmosphere in the dressing room that it's very very comfortable with that sort of thing now yeah absolutely um no owen's one my, one of my best mates really he's godfather to my daughter um and um yeah he's someone who i love going to speak to him he'll always give you um a very black and white answer um a very clear concise information um and it's, it's always like he's he's been in that situation before whatever it is whatever you ask him it's like he's done the research and he's asked answered the question before so <laughs> yeah he's he's great as someone as a um you know, one most senior player in that team and as captain as well but very he creates a great atmosphere for, for that team in particular and and of course nice that you mentioned joe as well and joe and ben are two guys i've played with in the under 19 world cup and um, there's quite a lot of guys in and around the team who um, have spent a lot of time together um, and know each other, you know, on quite a really personal level. So um, we all know each other well. You can see when someone's not quite themselves and um, you know, it's important as a team and as a group to look after each other and, and you know, find out, you know, how are you doing or what's what's on your mind at times. And that unity and that, that team spirit definitely... Um definitely helped helped contribute to that um magnificent the magnificent win uh, at lords but the thing that struck me the most was uh last year you know that, that incredible um act uh, from yourself of auctioning off your your winning shirt for charity you know which raised an enormous amount of money uh for charity and for such a brilliant course as well i mean do you miss the shirt <laughs> um yeah I, it's only really once uh the bid finished and stuff where I realised, oh God, I've actually just sold my, my World Cup shirt. Um, but um, no, I'm not a massive one for memorabilia. Um, I've got a lot of memorabilia in my mind, of great moments and things that I was a part of and um, 
you know stories to tell so um and, and you know i got quite touched by the story and, and listening to um my wife's aunt who was working on the front line and um sort of hearing about the the charity hospital and um so it just felt like a good thing to do and and obviously the um the shirt you know was a world cup winning shirt but now it's taken on some extra meaning really which is is great so um you know that means more to me than than just having it hung up at home exactly that the the, the act that you, that you did of donating the shirt it surpasses any 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 act within a cricket game no no doubt that you know that cricket is as as i say to a number of people that i've spoken to it is just a game and there is a there is a far bigger picture uh, at present and it's delightful that you could support um such a such a worthy and, and important cause yeah absolutely um no, i think we've all been sort of given a a huge dose of perspective haven't we over the last year um of certainly things we took for granted um things we really love doing what is is really important um and yeah i think perspective for all of us is, is really important to to try and um, remember at times um you know we, we all live our own lives and we're all running our own race and and you know certain things that will annoy me or make me feel sad you know to you will sit feel um no pointless and like why is he worrying about that or vice versa and it's just important at times to try and catch yourself as to what really matters and, and what are the big issues and, and keeping perspective is, is a big one for me i always think in, in cricket terms you know if i if i've had a bad day or or whatever if i if i pick up the newspaper and, and start at the start and by the time i get to the the back page where they're saying i've had a bad day at cricket i realize oh god there's quite a lot of other stuff going on in the world that you know my cricket game is pretty irrelevant um and i know in my life yeah it's obviously a big part of my life and, and that's a little bit of a cop-out at times um but to, it does certainly help me as a, as a coping mechanism um to to sort of deal with that and, and keep perspective no, that definitely sounds very helpful. Now, despite your England duties, uh, you are obviously an incredibly busy man, uh, as we've talked about. Are you comfortable now with the structure, um, being able to fit in all these franchise cricket opportunities throughout the calendar? Because now it's just so difficult to find that that balance with so much opportunity out there. But I think I feel like since Straussy, um came in and then went out i think the understanding for franchise cricket is now of one of immense importance and, and it gives players as you say such an opportunity to play with the likes of ms Dhoni and virat kohli i mean it's an incredible opportunity to play with some of the best players in the world yeah absolutely um i think we we as a country have seen the benefits of of our players being available for franchise cricket um now there's, there's cricket 12 months of the year now isn't there and um, you know, trying to balance that is important. Um, you know, not only allowing you know the boards and the coaches and captains to do that. Yeah, I think you have to do that yourself as well. You know, at times you got to. You know, it's not just about trying to play as much cricket as you can and and make as much money as you can while you because it's a short career. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, other things you need to consider and and a lot of value in other things as opposed to just playing as much cricket as possible but um certainly franchise cricket as i said ipl is probably the biggest and most positive effect of, of anything i can think of on my career um and i think you know as a as a country we've seen huge benefits of our players being available to play in in franchise cricket so um it's a de- it's a delicate balancing act um 
but I think, like you say, Andrew Strauss was a, you know, we were behind as a country, but he was someone who put that back at the forefront of the, we needed our players playing franchise cricket. And and we saw, you know, in the World Cup's a great example of, of pressure situations that people had experienced, but in, in other forms to that helped us. Yeah, proof is in the pudding, definitely. I wanted to ask you, was there anyone uh, after that World Cup on that night um, that let their hair down a little bit too much? Uh, not really, actually, because um, obviously we're, you know, we'd been had a curfew for ages and, and we didn't leave the hotel at all. We just sat in the, in, we were sat, I'd say, dancing around, singing, whatever, in the hotel bar with families and stuff. So no, it didn't, it didn't get out of hand. There's no sort of Freddy coming yeah. out of Downing Street. And yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, I wish I could say there was, but, but no, there wasn't. Oh, that, that, that's that's just the one that sticks in everyone's mind. Off that is just the funniest thing. Um, now there are there are many more many more years still in your your cricketing career. What else is there left to achieve in your playing career? What 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 do you have any? Do you have your sights on anything that is that you haven't yet achieved? You know, you have got World Cup wins, you have got wins series all over the world. What else is there left for you to achieve in your career that you want to do playing wise? Yeah, I think to be part of winning teams more. Yeah, I, I've loved the the four year cycle of that ODI team. That's probably the best it can be and the most fun. And and living that journey is as much as about as good as of winning the actual World Cup. But um, I think looking ahead, there's some exciting time. You know, the World T20 on the horizon, and obviously we're current holders of the 50 over World Cup. You know, that'd be quite an amazing achievement if we could um, challenge for that and be you know 50 over and T20 world champions at the same time now that's sort of quite a nice ring to it so that's a, a big driver um and i think for me is sort of turning 30 and, and sort of you not that the end's near but you're sort of on the at the back you know you've gone past halfway um is to try and just keep making the most of, of my my potential my talent and, and being the best i can be um and i think that's always been my um motivation is uh, to just try and you know reach the top of my mountain um and i feel like if i get there to that there'll be some great things that come along that journey well with age uh, with age comes perspective and without as you say as well wishing away your career um we, you might not need the uh, the university degree or your a levels but what, what, what do you think will happen after uh, playing cricket for you then what, have you got your sights on anything in particular not at the moment. I, I wish I did. I'm someone. I wish I I had an obvious um, sort of interest uh, that I had lined up after cricket. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I certainly feel like I don't want to live the same lifestyle. But I, you know, I love cricket, and well, I hope I can stay involved in some sort of capacity. Um, I love sport. You know, sports my big thing. Whether you know, not just cricket, other sports, and and sort of hopefully something involved in sport um, and being able to, you know, whether that's in whatever side that is, whether that's marketing and, you know, working with sports companies or, or something, but along those lines is something I'd, I'd like to, uh, but you know, saying that then over the next few years, if I can keep an open mind that something else might crop up that um, becomes an obvious thing. You never know. The world is your oyster. Um, Joss, I asked this question to everybody um, on the podcast, so I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer. What does the word headstrong mean to you? Um, I think the word headstrong to me means um, 
probably authenticity. I think um, you know, if you can be headstrong, it means you're comfortable in your own skin. You know, you're very um, set in your your own thoughts. You're comfortable with your own thoughts, and you can be honest and you, know, you can make decisions and and um, believe in your opinions. Um, and I think you know some mental strength to headstrong to get through tough times. Um, you know, I think there's that great quote, isn't there? You know, tough times don't last but tough people do um and i think being headstrong is a is a big part of that um but yeah i think it means being yourself as well and not getting you know if i could you know look back at um you know, what piece of advice you'd give to yourself you know growing up it'd be just to be yourself and and not to worry um about what other people think so much and stop judging yourself so harshly I really enjoyed that. Oh, I really like authenticity. That, that's, a, that's a really lovely word, actually. So I'm going to jot that one down. Uh, Joss, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. Appreciate it. Um, and wishing you all the best uh, in India uh, and then coming home and then back out to India. By the time this comes out, you will uh, we'll know the result of the series. So that'll, we will keep our fingers crossed. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoyed it. This series is brought to you by two magnificent sponsors, Ascot Group and McGill and Partners. Ascot Group is a global speciality insurance and reinsurance group with a record of underwriting excellence and superior claims service. Founded in 2001, the company provides a broad range of property and casualty solutions to customers worldwide through its platforms in London, Bermuda and the United States. Ascot is a long-standing supporter of charities with a link to sport, including ongoing sponsorship of the Great Britain Wheelchair Rugby Club. With a recent increase in mental health awareness, the company is particularly proud to support Headstrong Season 5 and Innings With, which focuses on the psychological well-being challenges that arise from professional sports. McGill & Partners is a boutique insurance broker helping corporate clients find specialist solutions for their most challenging and complex risks. Growing rapidly since its launch in 2019, the company operates in the UK, Europe and the United States and prides itself on working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And you can find out more on their website, mcgillpartners.com. McGill and Partners understands high performance and the mental health challenges that can be associated with it, regardless of the industry people are working in. The company is fully committed to their employees' well-being and are delighted to be sponsoring the Headstrong podcast series. It is also delighted to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you to these two wonderful sponsors. And that is it for this episode of Headstrong. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Joss Butler and his management team. It was a brilliant episode and I really enjoyed talking to Joss and him giving up such precious time before such an important series. I wish Joss all the best of luck in the IPL and indeed this summer and beyond. Here's to many more trophies with the England team. If you want to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation, please text RSF10 to 70191. There will be a new episode out for the next 10 weeks forming an incredible 11 for this headstrong series titled An Innings With. See you next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.